Many of the prophetic books of the Old and New Testament of the Bible, like the book of Isaiah, are sometimes pretty sobering, sometimes a little frightening. In its pages, the book of Isaiah, we see the wrath of God upon the wickedness of men. At times, the story is pretty bleak. But in the midst of the darkness, there are times where the light shines through, a light of hope, a light of hope for better days, an apocalyptic vision of a glorious future. Now, you don't normally think of those words, apocalyptic and glorious future, going together. But really, that's what happens in prophetic books like the book of Isaiah or even the book of Revelation at the end of the New Testament. You see, we have the wrong picture in our minds when we hear the word apocalyptic or apocalypse. The main definition of that word is a revealing or a revelation. So this book, the book of Isaiah, gives us a vision, a vision of a glorious future. And because... Ultimately, we are being given a vision of a glorious future. I have often shared with my church, we want everything that we do to be done with joy because we have an optimistic vision of the future. I pastor a church called Cross Connection Church, and on our website, lifeinconnection.com, on our about page, under the core values, that is our first core value. Number one, we want everything we do to display joy because we have an optimistic vision of the future. How can you have an optimistic vision of the future when you are reading stark and sobering words from the prophets, like the prophet Isaiah, when he talks about gloom and darkness, judgment and desolation? Where is joy? Where is there an optimistic vision of the future? Ultimately, that is the underlying story of Isaiah and many other prophetic passages of scripture. But before I talk about that, I need to step back for just a moment and teach you an important lesson about reading and understanding prophetic or apocalyptic literature in the Bible. It is important to understand that those who read and study these things do so through or with what I will call different prophetic lenses. For instance, when you study the book of Revelation in the New Testament, there are generally four different interpretive lenses through which people read and understand the text. The four prophetic lenses are the preterist lens, the historicist lens, the idealist lens, and the futurist lens. Now, typically, as I said, these are applied to the final book of Scripture in the New Testament book of Revelation. But I find that this has application to other apocalyptic passages in the Old Testament as well, though the way that these may be used might be slightly adjusted when thinking about them in reference to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, or the other Old Testament prophets. The preterist view comes from the Latin word praetor, which means past. Those that interpret passages such as these through the preterist lens, they believe that all of the prophecy of a book like Revelation or what Jesus speaks about in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapter 24 and elsewhere, that all of those prophecies were completely fulfilled, finally, totally, with the destruction of the Jewish temple in 70 AD. So effectively, for those holding a preterist lens, everything other than the second coming of Christ was complete. As prophecy goes, it's done by the end of the first century. So that's the preterist lens. Then the historicist view or lens. This sees the apocalyptic literature of a book like Revelation being fulfilled through the history of the church over the last 2,000 years. Then the idealist view sees the visions of the prophets as 
symbolic, allegorical references to timeless struggles between good and evil. And then finally, there is the futurist view, which holds that these things have future implications, even at this time, at this point in history. It holds that there are things that are written in the pages of these books beyond the second coming of Christ that are yet to be fulfilled. So there's still something coming from a book like Revelation or Ezekiel or Daniel or Isaiah. I bring all of this up to say that I think that each of these lenses has value when you're reading something like Revelation. And I think that they're important when you read the other prophets as well. It's important to recognize that when you're studying the Old Testament prophets, there are lenses, different interpretive ways that we look at these passages of Scripture so that we can understand what is being said. So when you read Isaiah... Sometimes you need to pick up what I call the historical lens. You need to realize that many of the things that Isaiah spoke about or wrote about predicted things that would come to pass pretty close to the time that he lived. They had immediate implications. They came to pass in his day or within a couple hundred years of him writing those things. So it's important to understand that sometimes when you read through Isaiah or Ezekiel, you need to use that historical lens for interpretation. But then you'll read Isaiah and you'll see that there are prophecies that point beyond his time to a time in the future having to do with the Messiah. We call these messianic prophecies, things like Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah 9, 6, Isaiah 53. So when interpreting those, you need to really look at the text through a Christological lens. So you have a historical lens and then a Christological lens. And you need to ask questions like, how might this be fulfilled in Christ? Third, it's necessary to understand that some of the prophecies of Isaiah, they look forward to God's work in and through God's people, the church, under the new covenant. So you have to read and understand and interpret the text through what I would call the ecclesiological ends. Ecclesiology has to do with the, the study of the church. So looking at these things as they're fulfilled in and through the church. Then, of course, some prophecies have connections and implications for the people of Israel 2,800 years ago during the time that Isaiah lived, but also the people of Israel maybe today. And so you might need to use what I would call a Zionist lens, understanding that God still has something he's doing in and through the Jewish people. And then, of course, there are things that are yet to be fulfilled for the whole world. So again, you need that futurist lens. Now, it is worth noting that I am a futurist as it relates to prophetic scripture. I do believe that there are things in the scriptures that have not yet been fulfilled beyond the second coming of Christ. Things that perhaps are even being worked out right now in the world, that God is still at work through the pages of Scripture and working out his will in this world. I realize that all of this is probably a lot to take in in kind of a short video, but I want to suggest that these things are important, at least to be aware of them. When you begin to study books like Isaiah, you need to be able to understand that there are various ways you've got to think about the text. And while I'm a futurist, I think that you really need to read prophetic literature using these different lenses, the historical lens, the Christological lens, the futurist lens, all these different things are important. Why? Well, let me answer it like this. When I was in high school, I received training. I took a class in an ROP program, re uh, regional occupational program, adult school type thing on printing and graphics. And in the class, we were trained how to use an offset printing press. When you are offset printing, in color, you use four different colors or three colors and black to properly print in color. This is called CMYK printing, which stands for cyan, magenta, yellow, and key or black. And when you are offset printing a color document or image, the image 
only fully becomes clear when all of the colors are working together through the halftones that you do. So it lays down the cyan, then the magenta, then the yellow, then the black, and then you begin to see the whole picture come into view. This principle is also true when you're watching a video like this on your computer or your phone or your tablet. The screen that you have, it has three colors at the pixel level, RGB, red, green, blue, and all the colors that you are seeing are being generated as each of these different pixels, red, green, blue, are being lit up with varying dimming and brightness and so forth so that you can see everything. If you only had red pixels, the image wouldn't look right, or only green pixels, or only blue pixels. But when all of them are brought together correctly, the image becomes clear. Such, I believe, is true with these lenses of interpretation as well. Sometimes you need to look at these texts with a historical lens. Sometimes you have to think about them with a futurist lens, sometimes a first century Christological or ecclesiological lens. And when you do, the clarity begins to come through. Okay, so that's an awful lot to get to this. We want everything that we do to display joy because we have an optimistic vision of the future. I want to suggest to you that if the things of prophetic scripture bum you out or discourage you, if they cause you anxiety, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, I think that you're reading them somewhat incorrectly. Yes, there are sobering and bleak things in the prophetic passages of the Bible, but when he was writing about future events to the church at Thessalonica in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul twice said to the church, comfort one another with these things. In another place, Paul said, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. The predictive prophecy of the Bible is instructive. It's enlightening. It opens our eyes to mysteries and phenomenal things. But the predictive prophecy should also encourage our patient endurance and give us comfort and hope. Hope for what? Well, this is getting a little bit long. didn't plan on it being quite so long. But let me give you a hopeful light shining in the darkness from Isaiah chapter 2 a vision of a future glory. In Isaiah chapter 2, the prophet writes this, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established at the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above all the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. This is a future glorious day. There will be this future glorious day in which God will rule and reign in righteousness and there will be no more war and all the horrible things connected to war, it will all be gone away. That's something to look forward to and why I say I want everything that I do to display joy because I have an optimistic vision of the future. Something to think about. We'll see you next time.